Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation, Meet the Candidates. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And today we're going to take a look at Todd Monken. Now, you may know that Todd Monken was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with somebody who covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we do that, I wanted to bring in somebody who covered Todd Monken when he was the head coach at Southern Miss. Monken was at Southern Miss for three years, and he's the only guy on this list of candidates who has experience as an NFL coordinator and a college head coach. So he's got a really interesting resume. Thankfully, I was able to get one of the best in the business. He's been covering Southern Miss football for almost two decades and was there for the whole time that Todd Monken was head coach at Southern Miss. Mr. Patrick McGee of the Sun-Herald. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, happy to be here. So, Patrick, let's set the stage for this, first of all. So you have Monken. He comes in as the head coach from Oklahoma State, where he had a very successful tenure and helped develop Justin Blackman into one of the top receivers in the nation. Tell me mm-hmm. what everything was like around the team at the time, all the circumstances, what he was coming into, what the perception of him was, what his first impression was. How did everything play out? Well, first, I mean, as Oklahoma State offensive coordinator, he was the third uh, offensive coordinator that Southern Miss had hired as head coach, like in the span of like a decade or two. Jeff Bauer and Larry Fedora, uh, both before him, were former Oklahoma State offensive coordinators. So Southern Miss kind of developed the habit. Uh, but Munkin was obviously a different dude than than guys that had followed him uh, had, had come in previously as Southern Miss head coach. He was a little bit more uh, outspoken, a little bit more. Uh, abrasive, you know, funny, willing to kind of joke with, you know, guys. He was a he was a personality. Uh, you know, he kind of bounced around. Really good resume. He'd been in LSU, Louisiana Tech, been in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, of course, at Oklahoma State really kind of built a really good offensive scheme. Uh, produced a lot of good quarterbacks and receivers. Uh, he's whenever he came in, he he was entering a situation that was pretty dire. Uh, it was it was a, one of the weirdest stories in college football at that time, where Southern Miss had gone twelve and two and won the conference championship in two thousand eleven. Then the very next year, they hire Ellis Johnson, who was a defense coordinator at South Carolina, and Southern Miss proceeded to go zero and twelve. And it, you know, a lot of Southern Miss fans were in a panic and, and you know wondering what had gone wrong. And then Johnson gets fired, and then they you know for Southern Miss, it was really they had to make, hire the right guy. And they they kind of went through, and I think they ended up just hiring the best football coach that they could get that wanted the job, and that was Todd Munkin. And uh, what was tough for Munkin coming in is the team that he inherited was actually worse than the team that went zero and twelve the year before. Uh, that you know the year before the team had given kind of given up on that staff, just really lost all belief in that group. Uh, but in you know whenever Munkin comes in twenty thirteen, he's got a team that's really devoid of talent. Uh, there really is not much at all in that team. They start the season 0-11, really weren't even in games. And then they go into the final season, of the uh, final game of the year at UAB, and uh, really kind of beat the team. Another team that kind of gave it up on his coach uh, when Garrett McGee got fired at not long after that game, or he left, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they went so they went from 0-12, then they went 1-11 under Munchen in his first year, and Munchen really had to build that thing up. Uh, he relied heavily, heavily on junior college guys and transfers. And in the process, he really developed a good quarterback and Nick Mullins, uh, who, who folks saw this year as a starter in the second half of the season for the San Francisco 49ers. 
Uh, he came in as a scrawny quarterback and, and really, you know, kind of overlooked. Uh, even though he was Alabama player of the year, uh, his senior year of high school, it was up to Munkin to really build that guy up. So, uh, Munkin really had to, had to earn it at Southern Miss. He had nothing to work with whenever he got there. And he and his staff really had to go out and recruit and identify some older guys, some transfers that could come in and help immediately while also developing guys like Nick Mullins and some other players like that. So <laughs> I, I don't know if Munkin knew how hard he was going to work whenever he got to Southern Miss, but he, he really, he really had to earn every one of those wins over three years. He ended with a losing record, but that last year, uh, they were undoubtedly uh, his third year on the job. It, it, it was probably the most talented or one of the most talented football teams ever come out of Southern Miss. Uh, you can make the argument that they just slightly underachieved their early in the season, just got hot and got up to that nine-win mark. Patrick, let's talk a little bit about player development since you mentioned Nick Mullins. Sam Darnold is the quarterback of the New York Jets. His development is going to be one of the most important, if not the most important things that any coach can do when they come into this job. So tell me a little bit about what you saw from Monken in developing players and specifically Mullins, as you mentioned before. Well, I, I think he did a good job of, uh, of bringing in players that he identified as good uh, long-term talent, guys that could play at the professional level, uh, and he helped develop guys, whether it was Mike Thomas, the uh, receiver who's kind of been banged up, hadn't played a whole lot with the Rams, but he got drafted by the Rams as a receiver. Uh, Nick Mullins, who was undrafted, went to the uh, 49ers as, uh, and signed as a free agent. Uh, uh Edo Smith comes to mind, who's a running back with the Atlanta Falcons. He, he was recruited by Munkin and staff and brought in and, and developed really nicely uh, under Munkin's watch. Uh, Jalen Rashard, a running back who's with the uh, uh, Oakland Raiders, came in at that. Rashad Hill, a left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. So in terms of NFL talent coming out of Southern Miss, I mean, there may have, it's one of the most rich periods of time in terms of guys moving on and having successful NFL careers. Uh, so Munkin, in terms of, uh, I mean, Nick Mullins is a great example of developing a guy because, you know, Nick Mullins might have been 158 pounds uh, whenever he stepped on the Southernness campus, and he had to play as a true freshman, and uh, they got Mullins to really put in the work, really smart guy. Uh, but to work under Munkin for Mullins I thought was key. And it also helped that, really, the, the last year that Munkin was on the job at Southernness, he actually handed over play-calling uh, duties to Chip Lindsey who became the offensive coordinator at Arizona State, Auburn. He just recently got hired by Les Miles at Kansas. Uh, Lindsey had been, like, spent one year uh, as an assistant, at, at, like as a quarterback's coach at Troy, but had mostly been a high school coach. He was Nick Mullins' high school coach, and Munkin really kind of uh, picked him out and saw him as really kind of a, a good play caller, a guy that could come in and, and, and run that kind of air raid scheme. And Lindsey, once he handed over play-calling duties to Lindsey in 2015, that offense just took off. And so I, I think there's something to be said that not only is Munkin able to identify and develop talent on the field, uh, he's been able to find coaches that fit him well and have potential. So I, I would expect Munkin to really be able to see talent uh, in his players and also guys you know, maybe as part of his coaching staff. Sounds like he's able to adjust on the fly, too, because picking that assistant out and realizing the work that he had done with Mullins in high school and that he would be a good fit for the staff and bringing him in to call plays, that's not the type of typical risk that most coaches would take, right? No, and Munchen takes chances. He, he operates without fear. He's one that, you know, he's got a lot of guts. 
Uh, he's not afraid to do some stuff that maybe people would kind of scratch their head about. And I think even some of his players will say the same thing at Tampa is that he went out there and really kind of uh, played with no fear, called plays with no fear, and, and really put a good offense on the field. I, I watched him a couple of times this season with Tampa, and I thought he did a great job. But at Southern Miss, he took some chances, but it was nothing crazy uh, in terms of, you know, putting his team in a bad position. Uh, you know, I, you know, Munkin just did a good job, and, and, and he, he's a little unorthodox. He is. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of his decisions paid, uh, paid off. Along those lines, being able to take risks as a play caller is something that a lot of people in New York are really looking for because the last thing you need is the type of bland play calling that we saw most of the season from Jeremy Bates here. Tell me a little bit about Todd Monken, the play caller. Uh, he's going to take a fair amount of deep shots. Uh, you know, he's going to, uh, but you know, he also, you know, along with Chip Lindsay, built a really balanced offense. Uh, the last year that he was at uh, Southern Miss with Lindsey, that team had uh, Nick Mullins threw for 4,000 yards, and he had two running backs, Edo Smith and Jalen Richard, both who are in the NFL now. Uh, they, they had a 4,000-yard passer and two 1,000-yard rushers. And at that point, that was the second offense in the history of FBS to have that, and the only other was one of, one of the Oklahoma teams, one of our Sam Bradford was quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, he's there's going to be some uh, chances taken. There's going to be, you know, he's going to, he likes the deep ball. He likes receivers. He likes big, tall, talent receivers. But he's going to run the ball as well, and he's going to use the t- utilize the talent he had. Uh, that team was really built around a strong quarterback and an okay receiving core. But, you know, the te- you know uh, to have those two running backs really made that offense deadly, and they put up huge numbers. Uh, once they kind of found their role that uh, got their groove that year, they just really put up massive numbers. These blew people off the field. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. With the chances that he took, did that extend to the decisions that he made during the game? What would you say were his strengths and weaknesses as an in-game decision maker? You know, I mean, I'm somebody that, that's pretty, you know, critical of coaches, you know, watching them and the decisions they make during the course of the game. It, it was, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I would say in his first year or two, he saw some little, you know, 
plays where I would question him, you know, or play calls or just decisions on special teams. But, I mean, overall, I thought Munkin was a very good in-game manager. Uh, he was willing to take some chances, but he was also, you know, he wasn't going to do any boneheaded stuff. I mean, he, Munkin, Todd Munkin is a pro. Uh, he is a head coach. Uh, he He's not going to put his team in a bad position. He's going not going to do anything that's going to, you know, really – uh, make fans question him on a regular basis. I, you know, I, Munkin has got what it takes, I think, to really move up the chain. And I, you know, watching him operate, you could tell that he had all the experience in the world and he had some learning to do in his first head coaching job. But by the time he was done, he was able to delegate and figure out, you know, how, how best to put his, the best product on the field and also manage the game. He did a very good job, I thought. So you would say he's more or less a calculated risk taker. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, he's going to have those, you know, he's going to take these chances off and on throughout the course of the game, but he's not going to do anything that would, you know, really. I mean, they did turn the ball over for ML at Tampa, but, you know, heck, you know, Winston has been a turnover machine. Uh, so I would put that more on Winston. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be some chances taken, but that's, that's just Munkin, but it's, it's not anything that you wouldn't expect out of a guy that runs that type of offense. We can blame Jameis Winston, but since this is a Jets podcast, we also have to blame Ryan Fitzpatrick, who none of us here have a warm spot in our heart for at this point. So let's spread the blame out to Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick if we could a little bit. But I want to ask you something else, Patrick, that a lot of guys in the NFL level wouldn't have any experience with, and that's recruiting. When you're a head coach, that's a big part of the job. Now, Mm -hmm. being with the Jets, if he were to take this job – He's obviously not going to be able to recruit the way that you would in college, but the Jets have $100 million in salary cap space. So there is an element of recruiting here to going out and trying to get free agents to sign with the team. What did you see from him as a recruiter, and are you convinced that he would be strong at going out and being able to convince free agents to come play for the Jets? Yeah, I think so. I mean, every now and then he would give you a little insight to how he landed guys on the recruiting trail. I remember... Mike Thomas, who was, uh, I think it was down in Minnesota or Southern Miss, the receivers with the Rams now. <laughs> and he would say, you know, and he would say, why would you want to go to Minnesota? It's cold there. You know, come here to Mississippi. It's a good feel. I mean, Munkin's always, you could tell he's a salesman. He's a very passionate guy, a very engaging guy, and could be a very warm guy, even though he's kind of, you know, out there a little bit. You know, he's, he's constantly, <laughs> You know, that brain's always operating, and he's an intense guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I could see him being, you know, well-liked. The players who worked under him really enjoyed playing for him. And, you know, as a recruiter, he was able to identify talent and convince guys, you know, that show up. I mean, Edo Smith, who was at uh, Southern Miss with the Falcons now, uh, it was, you know, Georgia Tech really wanted him badly. I mean, he was – Munkin did a good job of picking off guys that don't always pick Southern Miss. So I, I think – Munkin is a guy, you know, being able to pitch the Jets and what he's going to do there. I, I think, at, at the very least, he would do a much better job of getting offensive players in there than what they've had before. Uh, you know, as, as somebody should watch from afar is what the Jets have. They have not been stacked with offensive talent. But I can see Munkin convincing uh, a lot of good receivers and, and uh, maybe a, a good quarterback. Of course, you're developing a quarterback in Darnold. But I would think that Munkin would do a good job of finding the pieces to work around him and being able to convince guys to come in there and play. You said the players generally seem to like playing for him. Would you classify him as a player's coach, a little bit more of a disciplinarian, somewhere in the middle? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, somewhere in the middle. I mean, like like I've said before, he's a passionate guy. He's passionate about his job, uh, takes it very seriously, puts a lot of energy into it, and I think the players respond to that. And, you know, he, he's, you know, you watch Munkin operate, and he's entertaining. You know, I mean, he's not your average, you know, kind of, he's not Belichick by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to, you know, joke with the guys and, and you know, not really be filtered, filter himself. So, I mean, I think the players, in, you know, like him because he's kind of a funny guy. And, you know, he, he is a pro, and he's going to, you know, ask for the most out of those players, but the same way he's going to kind of pick them up and encourage them. So, yeah, I mean, Munkin's just a good guy to be around, and I would, I would, you know, think that the players like to play for him. So you would say he has the right personality for New York because obviously a big part of the job is handling the media, dealing with the fan base, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You think he'd be able to handle that? Yeah, I mean, this would be his, you know, I, I could see the occasional misstep from Munkin just because he says what's on his mind. But overall, I think he would, I think the media would enjoy working with him and uh, kind of, you know, those those moments where Munkin really opens up, I think he's, he's somebody that, you know, the media in New York would enjoy and I think he would uh, work well with everybody. I think, uh, I think, I, you know, he's not going to be perfect in that regard just because he, he doesn't hold, often doesn't hold back. Uh, but he's uh, he's somebody that I could see really settling in, uh, and, and you know once he gets past the first few months on the job, I would say he would do very well there. So you would say that the people on the Jets beat would have fun covering him because he's got a personality, so he'll give them some stuff to write about. Right, he'll give them some good quotes <laughs> here and there. Perfect. I think that all my friends on the Jets beat just cracked a smile thinking about him as the head coach after what they just had to deal with with Todd Bowles, who is always very, very stoic. So the last question I want to ask before we go, Patrick, is about Todd Monken leaving. A lot of people don't know the story, and you're talking about a guy who gave up a head coaching job at a program that he built almost from scratch, as you were saying, for three years, built it into a successful team. And then all of a sudden, as soon as it got good, he left and went to the NFL for a coordinator job. On the surface, it seems kind of strange. What was going on there? Well, I, I think, and you know, he'll never explicitly, you know, acknowledge this or anybody. Says, but I, Southern Miss had hit a hard financial time because TV money was starting to dry up and a lot of different things. That it's becoming harder and harder to compete, uh, you know, on the on the big stage in college football and college sports in general. And uh, there just wasn't as much money coming in because TV contracts were just weren't as big. So, in other words, Munkin was deserving of a healthy raise, but that healthy raise just wasn't coming. And, uh, and and also, it was going to be hard for him to get substantial raises for his assistance. So, I think Munkin had you know started to keep an eye out uh, for that you know that next opportunity, something that was because I think Munkin once one is always dreamed of being an NFL head coach and whenever the offensive coordinator job came open with Tampa, uh, Dirk Cotter, a guy that he knew pretty well, even though he wasn't going to be calling plays with Tampa the first couple of years, it was an opportunity for him to get back in the game uh, and be able to kind of get on that path to becoming an NFL head coach. And we all saw what he was able to do in his first year as a play caller for the Buccaneers this year. So I think with the opportunity at Tampa was really you know kind of what he had been hoping for all along. Uh, he had had that head coaching experience at the college level, and this was his chance to move up. And I think he would have liked to have stayed around Southern Miss at least one more year. Uh, but when it was obvious, I think whenever he wasn't going to get the raise that he was hoping for, and, and for his assistance, I, it just kind of I think it hastened his exit maybe a year earlier than it was going to happen. So 
I, I think that's really kind of went, went into it. They were going to be pretty good if he had come back uh, for a fourth year, uh, but the Tampa job uh, coming open and working for a guy that he knows and, and, and not, you know, eventually he was going to get the play calling duties in some fashion, I thought. And it worked out this year and he did a good job. So it was just his opportunity to get back in the NFL game and maybe put himself back on the track for the head coaching job in the NFL. Sounds like a big part of his decision involved concern for his staff. Did you generally find that when he was head coach at Southern Miss, he put a high premium on loyalty to those around him? Yeah, but I mean, whenever he left, he left in late January. It was a bad, it was a bad time to leave because uh, signing day was just like a week or two away, and those assistants were put in a bad spot. So I mean, I, I'm not going to gloss that over. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of assistants that were put in a bad position whenever he left. He just had to go whenever that that chance came up. So yeah, I mean, the assistants. Uh, I think they liked working under him. He's demanding. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not going to make you know make Todd Munkin look all fuzzy, you know, warm or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't see him having any problem putting together a solid staff. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Patrick, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were the New York Jets and you had this head coaching vacancy to fill and you had the opportunity to fill it with Todd Monken, would you do it? I'd say yeah. I mean, I, the especially looking at the other candidates that have come up for the job, uh, I would think he would be a good fit for, for that market. And I think he's what they need up there. I mean, he would make, you know, Jets football entertaining again. I mean, they've been, I, I guess, maybe I don't know how y'all would describe it, but I mean, they have not been very interesting football for the, <laughs> any, <laughs> uh, for anybody else to watch. So I think he would instantly make Jets football entertaining again, and he would be a good guy to develop Sam Darnold. I think that would be key. And I, I just see Munkin as a very good fit. Uh, for what the Jets need, especially compared to the other guys that are pursuing the job. Patrick, i got to tell you, not very entertaining is about the most charitable way you could describe the Jets <laughs> over the past decade or so. Ever since those AFC Championship runs, not entertaining is very nice of you to say. So thank you for that. That's a little bit of that Southern <laughs> hospitality, I guess. Patrick, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on and offering some insights. I feel like I learned a ton from you talking about Todd Monken today. For anybody that's unfamiliar with you or the great work that you do at the Sun-Herald Lunch, <laughs> You go ahead, let them know where they can find you or where they can read your work. Yeah, well, uh, if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Patrick underscore McGee, M-A-G-E-E, and they can always read, read my stuff at uh, sunherald.com. Thanks a lot, Patrick. And for anybody that hasn't been reading your work, you really should over at the Sun Herald. It's absolutely fantastic, as is the work of my next guest. We talked about Todd Monken as the head coach at Southern Miss. Now let's talk about his most recent job as the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to do that, I want to welcome in a really special guest. He's the deputy editor at BucksNation.com and one of the best Bucks writers out there, Mr. James Yarko. James, what's going on, man? Yeah, hey, uh, I'm, I'm loving life. I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm covering yet another coaching search for the Buccaneers, which seems to be uh, a little bit faster than the Summer Olympic schedule. It doesn't quite reach four years, <laughs> but, but here we are again. Um, 
seems like from from the buzz around the league and and the buzz from around what we know, sounds like this next hire is going to be the right one. Uh, hopefully, it all works out. But yeah, man, uh, Todd Munkin. You, if if you're looking for dirt or if you're looking for something negative, you're probably not going to get it from me. <laughs> man, you sound like Patrick McGee, who I just had on from the Sun Herald, singing Munkin's praises from his days at Southern Miss. But I guess it speaks well of Monken that you have nice things to say about him after what happened in Tampa, which, as you alluded to before, was a bit of a disaster. So the fact that you're saying that Monken wasn't the reason for that is certainly a positive sign for his candidacy. And the reason you're on the show today is because the Jets find themselves in the same spot as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking for another head coach. Todd Monken is one of the candidates. So let's start out from the beginning, James, and set the scene here. Todd Monken, as we just found out, was head coach at Southern Miss, did a really good job, turned the program around, and then left because it looked like things weren't going to go his way money-wise, and he was looking to get back into the NFL. And so he joins up with his old buddy, Dirk Cutter. So Lovey Smith out, Dirk Cutter in. Take us through that whole process. Yeah, they um, they stuck with Dirk Cutter because they wanted that continuity for Jameis Winston. Lovey Smith obviously was not getting the job done. Uh, you will have people argue that he didn't get a fair shake after, you know, he improved from two to six wins from his first to his second season. But I can tell you as a University of Illinois fan, Lovey Smith was not the answer and, and his defense was absolutely atrocious. Now, of course, defense would come to bite the bucks in the butt later on. But Dirk Cutter was promoted from offense coordinator to head coach, brings in his buddy Todd Munkin, uh, from their Jacksonville days to, give him the offensive coordinator title, but Cutter was still doing the play calling. So a lot of what Munkin was able to do was work with, you know, he was also the wide receivers coach. So you saw an improvement in, in a player like Mike Evans, who was a great receiver, but he had a problem with drops. And throughout Munkin's tenure, you could see him get better and better each season, not dropping these passes. You saw the emergence of Adam Humphreys, you saw guys like Bobo Wilson and Freddie Martino being these contributors on, on offense. Uh, he's done a great job with Chris Godwin. Deshaun Jackson is Deshaun Jackson. We're not even going to bother talking about him because you know, he's a terrible human being. Um, <laughs> but you know, Todd Munkin did, did a great job. And then this year, you know, it, was, it was do everything you can to save your job. And for whatever reason... For Dirk Cutter, that also meant keeping Mike Smith, which was a big part of his demise. But it was handing play calling over to Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin orchestrated some very prolific offenses at Oklahoma State, at Southern Miss, and then we saw it as, as the Bucks were one of the top offenses in the NFL in 2018, especially early on in the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. Um, you know, this was a, a high-scoring, uh, you know, efficient offense. And, you know, then we, we reached a point in the season where Dirk Cutter wasn't happy with the run game. Well, it would have helped if, if they had a, a better running back. I love Peyton Barber, but he's not, he's, he's not going to be the guy. He's not going to be your Saquon Barkley or your Ezekiel Elliott or your, your Melvin Gordon. He's not that kind of player. So Cutter takes play calling back. And in doing so, the Bucks tie the NFL record for most yards in a game without scoring like <laughs> that's that's what happened and they lost to to washington in a game that they outplayed washington the whole time 
Phil Munkin gets the play calling back. You see the offense starting to do better. Jameis Winston gets back on track, finishes the season strong. Uh, you know, he had, I, I believe he finished the season after coming back into the game against the New York Giants. Um, 12 touchdowns and three or four interceptions. I mean, he was playing really, really well to close out the season. But in the end, the Dirk Cutter's offensive scheme didn't fit Jameis Winston. And even with that, Todd Munkin did absolute wonders with the offense. I, I, I just love everything about Todd Munkin. People are going to say, how could we take this guy's candidacy seriously after Jameis Winston seemed to regress under him, but you're saying that that was much more to do with Dirk Cutter than Todd Munkin, right? Absolutely, yeah, and, and Dirk Cutter was, during the draft process, Dirk Cutter was the last one on the Jameis Winston ship. He wanted Marcus Mariota. He wanted Mariota to run his offense. Jason White wanted Jameis. Lovey Smith wanted Jameis. The Glazers wanted Jameis. So Dirk Cutter was stuck with Jameis. So, you know, it was one of those square peg, round hole kind of conundrums where Dirk Cutter runs a high-risk, high-reward offense predicated on deep passing and, and these 50-50 shots down the field. Well, for a quarterback like Jameis, he kind of needs to get into a rhythm. And Cutter was, let's come out of the gate just firing deep. Whereas with Jameis, your best approach is you start taking some of those easy throws early, let it open up the deep ball. And a lot of people will point to the deep ball as one of Jameis's weaknesses, which, truth be told, it is. It is not a strong part of his game. And that led to a lot of the disconnect between him and Deshaun Jackson. Well, Jameis Winston has no problem hitting Mike Evans deep, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, Bobo Wilson, you know, Freddie Martino. Uh, you know, those are the guys that he could hit. He could hit everybody but Deshaun Jackson. So maybe it was more of a Deshaun problem than anything else. But, yeah, I mean, Todd Munkin did the best he could do with the scheme that Cutter implemented. And, you know, they, they had solid results, just not a winning record. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. A question that a lot of people are going to ask about Monkin is whether or not he's the right guy to help develop Sam Darnold because obviously that is the number one job of anybody that comes in here. Sam Darnold is the crown jewel. He is the great hope, all of that. We heard from Patrick McGee all about how he helped develop Nick Mullins from a 180-pound freshman into an NFL quarterback who now actually started a bunch of games for the San Francisco 49ers. You just mentioned how Jamison started to play a lot better toward the end of the season. Was there anything that you saw Monken actually do scheme-wise or as far as working with Winston hands-on that you think contributed to that? I think it was it was calling to Winston's strengths. Like I mentioned, you know, getting him in a rhythm early, setting up those plays with the high percentage throws. You saw with the emergence of, of Winston towards the end of the season, 
also the emergence of a guy like Adam Humphreys, who led the team in receiving a few weeks because he was that underneath, you know, seven to fifteen yard route, you know, reliable target for Jameis. So he would set those things up, and then all of a sudden you would have Mike Evans, who didn't have a single target in the first quarter, all of a sudden get a forty-five yard bomb from Jameis in, in the second quarter because of the way he set things up. He's very Monk is a very intelligent guy, and he's going to play call to the strength of his team. And the strength of, of his team, at least in Tampa, was get Jameis in rhythm, high percentage throws, high percentage plays, then take your shot. And I think with Sam Darnold, the Jets are going to be set up to do the same thing, especially with some of the deep threats that they have on their team. But he's going to orchestrate his play calling and his scheme around being able to maximize what he has. He, he's one of those guys, and it, it's so easy to talk about, but it seems like coaches become so stubborn that they don't want to do it. But he schemes to the strength of his players. He doesn't force players into his scheme. He has the endorsement of Ryan Fitzpatrick, which understandably makes Jets fans nervous at this point. <laughs> but what do you uh, know about the relationship he had with the other players? I know you said that he worked closely with Mike Evans, the work that he put in with Jameis Winston. What do some of these guys have to say about Monken? You know, it's one of those things, like I said, you probably won't hear a negative thing about him from me. If you were to feed the Bucks offense truth serum, you know, especially the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, and say, what do you think of Todd Munkin? They're all going to have glowing things to say. Again, he, he really helped Mike Evans build up, you know, strength in, in a category of weakness for him with his dropped passes. He, he's a big reason why Adam Humphreys was still on the team. You know, Adam Humphreys has credited Munkin and Cutter for the reason he's even in the NFL, and now we're talking about him hitting free agency and possibly becoming the highest-paid slot receiver in the NFL because of what he could do, thanks in large part to Todd Munkin. Jameis Winston, another guy, always has glowing things to say uh, about Todd Munkin. Yeah, he's, he's an all-around good guy. And, and another thing about him is he, he's, he, he's a no-BS kind of guy. He's going to give you your straight answers. He's one of, the, one of the best quotes that he ever had. Was I believe it was Trevor Sikama of Pewter Report had asked Todd Munkin about the red zone failures in 2017 because you know again the Bucks were able to move the ball up and down the field but had one of the lowest red zone percentages in the league and Todd Munkin looked at, at the media square in their eyes and he said we chose to suck like <laughs> that's, that's the kind of honesty that you get out of Todd Munkin not we sucked not well, we, we missed here, we missed there, we need to get better. It was, we chose to suck. And you can read into that what you want. I read into it as, we have the talent, we have the scheme, we flat out just didn't execute because we were too inside our own heads. So those are the kinds of things that endears Munkin to these players because he's not going to, to force-feed you coach-speak. He is going to tell you the way it is. Sounds like a fun guy to cover. Oh, he's a blast. I love Monk. I really do. I'm I'm disappointed to see him leave, but I understand why he will. I'm going to get to that in a second. But first, you mentioned Humphreys, and it seems like he did a lot of great work with him. He's a free agent. I would assume that if Monken got a head coaching job, he'd try to recruit Humphreys, right? I would I would assume so, and I would also believe that you know, there's buzz that Dirk Cutter could return to Atlanta as their offensive coordinator. I would assume that Cutter maybe 
you know, fighting to get Humphreys in there. Um, you know, he's going to be in demand around the league, and and I hope the Bucks are able to retain him. I think he's a vital piece to the offense. I think he's someone that Jameis trusts. But I would say that there's going to be a bidding war around the league with some of these guys that have worked with Humphreys, Munkin, Cutter, um, you know, to to get Adam Humphreys on their team because he is. He's, he's scrappy. He's reliable. He doesn't drop balls uh, very often. Uh, he did have one fumble. Ended up costing them the game last season against Buffalo. Uh, but that's the one fumble of his career. He just so happened to come at the absolute worst time. And he's a guy that you can count on. And he'll take shots. If anyone goes back to watch the Buccaneers-Cowboys game, you know, Winston hit him over the middle, and he took a vicious shot. We're talking like John Lynch, Ronnie Lott-style hit. And held on to the ball for a first down. It was incredible. So Adam Humphreys is a very underrated slot receiver that is going to get some serious money this offseason. Here's the million-dollar question now, James. You've had all these glowing things to say. The players all love him. The results speak for themselves. We talked to Patrick McGee, who talked all about the great job that Monken did at Southern Miss. So why isn't this guy a head coaching candidate for the Tampa Bay Bucks, who know him best? You would think that his name would be at the top of the list, but he's not interviewing there. Here's the problem, and I understand it, because Jason White is, whoever he hitches his wagon to, his career is on the line. And so when he was asked about firing Dirk Cutter uh, on Monday and and did his press conference and, and people said, are there any internal candidates, he flat out said, this will be an outside hire. You have Dirk Cutter, who was hired by Lovey Smith to be the offensive coordinator, Lovey Smith has shown the door. Dirk Cutter gets promoted. Keeps essentially the exact same staff. They've had all these same coaches outside of, of, of Munkin who came in when Cutter was promoted. You have all of these same coaches to completely reboot. The Buccaneers are in a situation. Jameis Winston is in his fifth-year option. Dirk, or, uh, Jason White, this is his one coaching hire. Lovey Smith hired Jason White. And then... It was an organizational decision to promote Dirk Cutter. So as a GM, yes, Jason Light will be on his third head coach, but this is going to be his one and only head coaching hire. With the culture in that locker room, how volatile it became towards the end of the season, you have to clean house. And I think the one exception could be defensive line coach Brenton Buckner, and that is because he was part of Bruce Arians' staff in Arizona. So should Arians be the one that is named as head coach, it's safe to say that Buckner will stay because that's somebody that Arians is familiar with, has worked with before. But as far as the rest of the staff, whoever the head coach is has the option to keep any of these coaches. I think Buckner is the only one that stays because the Bucks have to completely blow this thing up. And that means, unfortunately, getting rid of an incredible coach and coordinator like Todd Munkin. I'm pretty sure, based on what you've said already, that I know what your answer is going to be, or at least something in the vicinity of what your answer is going to be. But if you were the New York Jets, considering what they have right now with Sam Darnold, they've got the number three overall pick in the draft, they've got $100 million in cap space, 
And they've also got the New York market. So there's going to be some ups and downs, some topsy-turvy stuff. If things don't go well, the coach will get hammered, obviously. Do you think Todd Monken is the right guy for the Jets, for Sam Darnold, and really for everybody involved here with this team? I think he could be, absolutely. And I'm not the only one. There are plenty of other people that cover the Bucks that have said that Tom Munkin is going to be one heck of a head coach in this league, and it's, he deserves that opportunity at this point in his career. As, as brutal as the New York media can be at times, Munkin will dish it out just as much as he gets it, and I think that's what could make him a lot of fun. But the players can respond to him. They have a young nucleus there that Munkin can work with, and I think should he be the hire, and, and, and for the sake of, of Jets fans, I, I hope he is one of the strong considerations, I think he can really do some damage with the Jets. He is the deputy editor at BucksNation.com, does a great job over there, and did a great job today talking Todd Monken with me. I was sort of sold on him before, but now I'm really sold. James Yarko, thanks so much for coming on. Really glad that we got this opportunity to talk about Todd Monken. And I got my fingers crossed that he's at the top of their list because, like you said, I think he would make a fantastic coach. I think he'd do great things with Sam Darnold. And between you and Patrick McGee, really convincing case for his candidacy here with the New York Jets. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be fascinating. And I'll say this to you, James. If these Bruce Arians rumors turn out to be true and he brings the Jets' old head coach, Todd Bowles, with him, you may need to be talking to me and our buddy Alan Schechter about Todd Bowles and what he did with the New York Jets because I would assume that he's going to bring a lot of the same defensive type of stuff to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So you may want to pick our brains. There's unfortunately going to be a lot of sadness in our brains based on what's gone on the last couple of years with the New York Jets and really realistically over the last 50 years for the most part. But if that does happen, I actually do think Todd Bowles would be a good member of Bruce Arian's staff, and I think he's a good defensive coordinator who is just in over his head as the head coach. But best of luck to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as far as their head coaching search goes, and I'll say this much. Everything you said about Todd Monken being fun to cover, boy, oh boy, if it's Arians, you're going to have a lot of fun, aren't you? Oh, man, I'll be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, James. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you or read your great work, go ahead and give out your information. Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm the deputy ever editor over at BucksNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JYarko underscore Bucks, and you can hear me as one of the hosts of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. Looking forward to hopping on Locked on Bucks with you at some point. If the Bucks do hire Arians and bring in Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. In the meantime, though, make sure you check out James over at BucksNation.com and Locked on Bucks. Hope you enjoyed this special presentation of Turn on the Jets Digital, Meet the Candidates, the Todd Monken edition. We'll be back with another edition of Meet the Candidates tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you check out all the latest and greatest in New York Jets news and information and the best New York Jets podcasts you will find anywhere. And that's at Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.